Hey guys, Jason here with a quick update before we kick off this week's episode. I just wanted to go ahead and say a massive thank you to each and every one of you who took the time out to listen to our first episode. I know it was a long one and I know that we all definitely had the first episode jitters, but it was beyond any of our widest expectations to see exactly how many people listened to the first episode. So from the bottom of our hearts, thank you. Now, your feedback has definitely been heard about the podcast, and I would like to confirm that we are certainly expanding into new podcast services. At first, we were just on Anchor and Spotify, but now we have expanded to CastBox, Pocket Casts, and Radio Public, and we will soon be getting approved to appear on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Breaker, and Overcast. So... If you do have a spare second to check us out on there, if you use that podcasting service, go and find us when it's live. We will let you know via Twitter. And do subscribe, give us five-star ratings, because this will all help us in the long run. So without further ado, I will shut up and I'll leave you guys to it. Enjoy the episode. everybody and welcome to the first ever episode two of the virtual pub i'm jason england and i'm joined here by my friends and we can't go to the pub right now so where are we going to bring the pub wonderfully timed almost totally rehearsed so let's start at the first person that's on my list here so we've got ben thorpe here ben how's your week been my week has been pretty much the same as last week, except this week I've discovered Tiger King. Oh, God. <laughs> you haven't watched it. It's the most ridiculous thing in the world. And fuck that bitch, Carol Baskin. <laughs> <laughs> Carol Baskin, that bitch. <laughs> You've all been saying it, but this week I'm drinking dark fruits because I'm a scumbag and I'm proud of what I am. Nice, nice. So. Apart- you are a scumbag. Within <laughs> <laughs> in the with the sneak disc. Why dark fruits? Why you picked it? It's the old faithful, it's reliable. I know I like it rather than going for any of this lager shit, which is crap that you can get from co-op at the moment because everyone's drinking the nice stuff. Dark fruits is the shit you can get from the co-op. Yeah. Well we're not meant to believe in the house, so I'm only going to the nearest shop. Fair enough. Once a week for essentials. Practicing. Correction, you're only allowed to leave the house for essentials. I did, excuse me. Because we can say it's work research. I like that. That Working from home. Yeah, we are essentially working from We are key workers in what we do, and we need alcohol to make this work. On to the next one. Lindsay, how's your week been? It's been pretty good. Um, yeah, I'm continuing Joey's education. If you remember from last week, mm-hmm. we watched The Dark Crystal this week, which he very much enjoyed. And we keep doing Skeksis impressions. Obviously, if you haven't seen the film yet, it's amazing. It's a Jim Henson one, 80s, because, you know, I'm a big 80s fan. And then we were going to do another classic film, but then it turns out he has barely seen any of the Marvel films. So we watched Captain America, The First Avenger, because he had never seen that. I'll be dealing with that boy sometimes. <laughs> but other than that... Um, I downloaded Fable Anniversary because that is a free game on Xbox Live this month. Oh, I love it. I loved it when it was on 360. I love Fable 1 when it was on free, like, 
freaking first Xbox ages ago. Like, I, I just want to play through the first one so I can get to the second one and be Queen of Albion. <laughs> I remember um, <laughs> I had um, Fable 2 on the 360. And first of all, I fucking loved the fact that I had a dog and I could like play catch with him. But also, I think I had like a wife in every town. Yeah, that is something you can do. Stephen Fry's in it as well, in the second one. He is? Yeah, he's one of the voices. He's like the, you know, the labour guy who, guys, oh, what's his, I can't remember his name. He whips all the labourer people. He's got a top hat on and a red coat. Ooh. Okay, okay, cool. Yes. And I'm drinking today. I've got Heineken today. I've upgraded slightly. Um, but before that, before we started this, I was drinking rum. So definitely an improvement <laughs> over dark fruits. Definitely improvement over dark fruits. Definitely improvement over cause last week as well. Yes. Actually, I'm maybe starting to miss work because cause and Heineken are two of our biggest sellers. Well, at least you have corrected cause from last week and we're having something decent now. Dolby, how's your week been? Better. I mean, it couldn't have been worse than the week before, let's be honest. Um, but yeah, it's been good. Like, I finally got on the Disney Plus bandwagon. So I've watched a lot of The Simpsons and Recess over the last few days. Nice. Um, it also helps in as Ben chose the Simpsons for this week's quiz category. So uh, we've got lots of good questions and some of them you might actually get right this week. So that'll be nice. <laughs> I'm I sorry we're not that smart. That well. <laughs> I mean, last week was a shambles, let's be honest. The highlight was, of course, Ben saying um, Steve called Stone Austin, which was... <laughs> <weird. laughs> um, <laughs> but... No, it's been good. Just cracking on my work, just slowly getting used to lockdown life, wanting to go to Lindsay's pub pretty much every night like I used to, but knowing that that's not going to happen for any time soon. And this week I am drinking, well, I've also I've got the Raspberry Ripple beer that I had last week. And I've also got an apple and ginger sour called Taco, which is absolutely Ooh. delicious. Like, it's another freebie from Six Barrels, who are sort of an unofficial sponsor in the sense that they give me free beer. It's <laughs> um, very it's true. It's absolutely amazing, and I'll be drinking it again once I can actually go into a pub like a normal person. I'm realising this first bit's kind of becoming an excuse for us to say all kinds of beer brand names to at some point hopefully say, sponsor us, and then we get lots of free booze. Other beers are available. (laughs) (laughs) We are available for hire for free drink. And last but not least, he was supposed to be on last week's show, but he has made his speedy recovery back from the dead. Robert Moody, how was your week? Yeah, I hire yeah, but well, my my week was all right actually. I, I I think you may have oversold me last week. To be fair, um, <laughs> I I obviously don't know with a hundred percent certainty, but I'm fairly sure I didn't have coronavirus. I think I probably just had a bit of a cold. Um, my Fiona, my girlfriend, uh, as you guys know, is a teacher, so she has been working right up until uh, today. Essentially, they they break for for Easter break um, today. Um, and while she's been at home, working from home for just over a week now, because it got to the point that none of the kids were coming in, so there was no need for her to actually go in in the days leading up to that. She was obviously at school with a lot of children, and she got ill, and so it was inevitable that I was going to get something, and sure enough, I did. So don't think it was necessarily the dreaded COVID-19, certainly feeling a lot better, and good to be here. Sorry I couldn't make it last week. It is absolutely fine, and I'm glad you're doing much better, mate. Um, what have you been Thank doing you. to pass the time? What have you been watching, listening to? So, what have I, what have I been watching? We've we've made we've made a start on the new series of Ozark. 
um, oh. which is a really, really good show. If you've never watched it, then it's worth just going back and watching it from the start because it's it's a lot of fun. Um, really, really good cast and just really, really well realised, really good universe that they kind of build up. Um, I'm still working through Game of Thrones. I know this is a, a controversial topic, but I never really got into it first time around. So I'm gradually working my way through. I'm halfway through season four five now i think five or six i can't remember um so a bit of that um and then actually i'm i'm in a weird situation because i am still actually working and because i'm doing deliveries i'm working out of the house um so actually i'm one of the people that are going out and driving around at the moment um getting a, a very different view on life um quiet roads and everything like that so uh that's still taking up a, a decent amount of my time but uh yeah it's it's all good yeah um i mean that's quite an interesting bit to dive into like what is it like out there mm. at the moment obviously i know that we're all spending a lot of time indoors and we don't necessarily see much outside of our own street and the local shop so what's it like out there it is undoubtedly a hell of a lot quieter um certainly i mean uh, so for a bit of background, I, I do deliveries of, of Amazon parcels, which involves starting out by going to a depot either on the north side of Leicester or one just outside Northampton. So, so when I get a Northampton shift, I'm doing 40 miles on the M1 in each direction. And you can be doing that. Like, I mean, well, one day I drove up the M1 at about half four on a weekday afternoon. And to do Northampton to Leicester at 4.30 on a weekday afternoon, you would you would constantly be in busy roads and then invariably a bit of traffic would slow you down. You just don't get that now. It's just easy, plain sailing. It's like, it's like being on the road at seven o'clock in the morning yeah. all day. Um, when you get into housing estates, you do, you do see people out and about, but I, I think for the most part, people are out with a reason. Um, you can probably, make a judgment as to whether those reasons are justified but i'm certainly not seeing many instances of people just being out hanging around because they feel like being out so it's it's definitely had a massive impact i would probably suggest that what well, i certainly wasn't surprised when i saw the information earlier in the week about the fact that they thought there was now more traffic on the road sort of it, it, it was really really light over the weekend and then it started to come up again I think in the latter part of this week is just anecdotally feels like people are maybe out and about a little bit more and you know well what two coming up to two weeks into this now you do wonder whether people's um patience with it is starting to slip but yeah it's uh, it's interesting yeah and it's like no matter how much you can give that government advice that's still not stopping um a couple of my elderly neighbors going out for like quite a long walk and then coming back a few hours <clears> later and it's like why are you putting yourself in that kind of risk? And then yeah. I get to speak to him like out the front window and just ask him, like, was everything okay? And it's like, oh, I just saw some youth cycling past. And it's like, for fuck's sake, why are you going out and about? Yeah, yeah. So, I have a question. Go for it. Anyone crazy yet? Say again. Have you had a crazy delivery story where the person receiving the delivery was just mental about the whole thing? Ooh. What's like the weirdest thing? Um, so the challenge in the past week or so is that 
we are constantly getting revised guidelines on how we should now be delivering. So we're now, for the most part, being advised, you know, to ring the doorbell, put the parcel down at the front of the door and walk and then step back. Um, and obviously, if you if they're, if they're not home, you then got to go and retrieve it. But it's led to a couple of instances where, you know, I'll have rung the doorbell, put the parcel down, step back. You give it kind of 20 seconds or so, see if they come to the door and they don't. So I'm just going back to pick up the parcel. And then of course, predictably, that's just as they come to the door. So their first view of me is like, like leaning down, picking a box up off the floor. And I think some people, some people kind of just don't tweak what's going on. Um, and you, you kind of rush, you're always rushing to get around these delivery routes. So you don't really have time to explain. And it's just, you get to people to reply to uh, respond to it in different ways. Some people are like, almost to the point of, well, why are you still out delivering? And you kind of want to say to them, well, why are you ordering stuff online if you don't want it to be delivered? Um, and then some people think it's just all a complete, you know, oh, this is, well, when I say to them, um, so as an example, we, we know, I don't know if you guys order off Amazon much, but sometimes you've got to sign somebody's phone. So you just got to do a little signature on the um, phone screen. Yeah, yeah. We're not doing that now. Uh, because we don't want people's fingers or we don't want them touching our phones, you know, uh, for obvious reasons. And some people, when you tell them that, are like, oh, it's ridiculous. And it's like, well, if it's that much of a problem, if, you're, if, if you think it's that over the top, just it's almost like keep it to yourself. Yeah. <laughs> the, guidance, the guidance is out there for a reason. Just crack on. But My health and safety is not important. To yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I haven't well, met out of but you've got to take into account that Moody's people are fucking stupid. <laughs> <laughs> that is um that is usually the conclusion of most of the stories that we do on this show. That they just always end up with the simple thing of Dolby just dropping in and saying, <laughs> But you just gotta remember that people are fucking stupid. And it's like, yeah, we have to agree at that point. So well, that sounds like a drinking game rule. <laughs> <laughs> episode in 10 minutes and i've already got a catchphrase and it's negative <laughs> no that's very accurate. i'm getting that shit on a t-shirt when all this is over <laughs> so uh, jason how has your week been and what have you been drinking well we have dodged the question here moody what are you drinking i'm on hobgoblin Good choice. So, well, it is a good choice, but am I essentially drinking the lager of ales? That's what I kind of think yes. probably is now. To be fair, so I am. Uh, yeah, it probably is actually, which is also one of my favourite beers. So I'm essentially a lager <laughs> out of the ale world. <laughs> to be fair, when it comes to my lager choices, I am a basic bitch. Like, I'm not necessarily into, like, anything more advanced than, like, what you would say like a doom bar is probably the most ale-ish lager that i'd go for and in terms of lagers i don't necessarily go for anything too fancy i'm i'm pretty sure you are the only person i've ever seen drink hop house i didn't think anyone actually bought that <laughs> i like hop house <laughs> i oh, thought that was i thought that was like a marketing gimmick oh yeah i definitely there, fell Jason. for it i definitely fell for I, that marketing gimmick i've got your back there it's nice it's all right it's, it's fine <laughs> thank you thank you very much <laughs> Better than... I don't mind Hop House. It's Better just I would piss off. <laughs> That's it. You're not getting discount anymore. But you said I was your favourite. Doesn't mean you get Watch. my discount. <laughs> <laughs> when I edit this podcast in the end, I'm going to leave that long awkward pause between Dolby saying that you're my favourite. 
And Lindsay eventually just say, yeah, well. <laughs> <laughs> so to answer your question, Lindsay, my week has also been good. It's um, It's been weird getting into the whole habit of like, me and my girlfriend working from home in like two different rooms. Like we've got um the two door the doors that we have to like the spare room and to the living room are like wooden doors, but they've got glass in them. So we do that weird thing when we try and communicate to each other through the window that every British person does. That they start to like accentuate the voice like yeah, tea. and just not speaking like a normal person, <laughs> which is like the super weird habit that every British person seems to have, and I don't really know why we do it. Um. And in terms of stuff that we're watching and everything, we've kind of followed your route, Lindsay, and I've just been burning through the office like a motherfucker. Mm-hmm. It's gone through like five seasons in the space of a few days. It's been pretty impressive on my behalf. Um, we, we started season four today, and Joey's never watched all of it the whole way through, so it's been quite... What? See, there's, <laughs> there's a lot of TV shows, that, there's a lot of films that, I think of unforgivable, but I will give him a pass for. But The Office is just disgraceful. Like he's he's seen bits of it, and you know the stuff that comes off YouTube. He's seen bits of it and stuff, but like he's never seen proper episodes like all the way through. Oh, he's probably seen like a Dwight gets pranked compilation of some it, sort. Well, he, no, he hasn't. <laughs> he we had the identity fraud one today, and he hadn't seen it terrifying and that's classic that's a classic moment exactly. what else we had we had dwight you ignorant slut oh and um i got to send my first um kind of passive aggressive group email a few days ago from from home which made me feel a little bit happier because like I've always liked the feeling of that power where you get, get to start an email with, as per my previous note, just yeah. to really dig it in. Um, so it's taken. It's always about taking the small wins when it comes to a quarantine lockdown. And in terms Gods. Of, exactly. And as for what <laughs> I'm drinking, I got somebody from Colic come and drop me off some blue barrel cider. Um, quite a nice Ooh, local one. Choice. A typically old man cider, the kind of still can still thing that you get. I'm drinking the mm. smoking barrels, so it's the dry still cider, which was done in whiskey casks. So, I think I'm talking it's, my language. I think it's a slight improvement on dark fruits, but I'll let Smooth. you guys decide that. Obviously, it definitely is 100. <laughs> so you know me, man. If it's flat and room temperature, I'm all over it. <laughs> <laughs> You've been so quiet throughout this and just the one moment that you dive in thought. So That's what she said. <laughs> <laughs> and it's now at this point, now that we've all got introduced and we've done it in a much shorter segment than all of us just complaining about literally everything in like a 40 minute massive segment of introducing ourselves that we move into Nottingham and Sign. So Lindsay, can you give us some kind of time travel sound effect <laughs> and here i am again recording at some point in the future i don't know why i keep saying it like that i'm very sorry <laughs> welcome to nottingham unsigned so obviously a lot of incredible talented acts can't perform live at the moment in front of crowds so we're hoping to give them a nice little stage on here 
and really celebrate our local town and the amazing music that comes out of it. This week we have a folk band called Silk Roots. So normally in these emails that I get from bands, they have a very simple bio that kind of explains the genre that they are and also the people in the band. Silk Roots went a different way and shout out to Neki for this very, very baffling statement. Silk Roots, the story of four musicians held hostage on an introspective island, breaking free to play Eastern folk music with a sense of fun, danger and adventure. Hopefully I'm adding the right dramatic tones here. They see no borders and break down walls which define traditional music by fusing obscure yet beautiful melodies from various nations and continents in dance-friendly settings. Often, a scar rhythm underpins the whole and frequency, frequently the music takes off on fiddle-driven flights of fancy. When joined by the pe black peacock belly dancers at parties spontaneously erupts, all divisions are banished and a spirit of freestyle unity fills the dance floor. Did you get all that? <laughs> so, without further ado, here is... I've I've been dancing all over the kitchen while cooking toast this morning about with it. So please enjoy Silk Roots and their song Christina.
and we are back and let's get right into some news and we begin with the weekly segment fuck the daily mail if there's one thing we can all agree it's fuck the daily mail so peter hitchens has returned and he's got his weekly column and this week he's talked about a title of there's powerful evidence this great panic is foolish yet our freedom is still broken and our economy is crippled so to wrap things up super quick for you um it turns out he was not very happy about the fact that his everybody very very angrily disagreed with his previous column where he blamed the chinese for the coronavirus and said that these guidelines are too strict and he um kind of pointed out everybody attacking him personally to which i would like to personally apologize so he went out and said i would like to thank all of those who disagree with me who choose to abuse me often with lies personal smears and swear words your childish intolerant reaction has strengthened me in my conviction that mine is a better case if your policy is so good why can you not defend it like civilized adults do you really think that i regret needless deaths any less than you can you not accept that I also have good motives? And to that I say, there. We all, at some point, can say that we all feel like we've got good motives. And to your idea of like people personally insulting you, that's a fair point. I will not insult your eyebrows anymore because my eyebrows <laughs> are fucking terrible. <laughs> and I completely sympathize with you on that point. Mine have turned full Greek man monobrow at the moment. So... I actually need to get them tidied up a little bit. And neither am I going to say, and neither did I say, that you don't care about people dying. Like, this whole divisiveness of politics has really, really got to stop because the left doesn't want to be communists and the right doesn't want to kill poor people. And we all want this place to be better. So we need some kind of middle ground, which I feel has kind of been aggravated by the fact that we're all stuck indoors in the middle of a pandemic. So... Let's actually break down this column piece by piece. As a bit of a broad stroke, I know that Dolby, as somebody who's graduated from journalism, I think you can probably agree with me that this column, in terms of its qualitative writing, is a fucking mess. Um, oh, yes. For anyone that wasn't listening last week, we uh, did a study in my journalism degree where it turned out the reading age of the Daily Mail was nine. <laughs> Jesus Christ! So you know, like when you get the uh, books in, like the red, green, and yellow books in school, it's literally lower than that. Exactly, and I feel that what Peter's done here, he's taken a lot of his paragraphs, he's taken a lot of his descriptive terms that he uses, and he's just typed in that word "anthesaurus" on Google, and just pulled out some bigger words to make himself make himself sound a bit more intelligent. I mean, we've all done that, though. Oh, naturally, I did that for like seventy-five percent <laughs> of my dissertation. But it's different. People don't read a dissertation. Except for well, people who they, mark we it. We hope they don't. <laughs> <laughs> but then for but then reading an article, it's just a it's just a bag of shit. <laughs> In it, it's just so hard to read and actually take seriously. Yeah, but fortunately for all of you listeners out there, I've gone through and I've passed out exactly what he's been trying to say here. And he's tried to big himself up by bringing up examples of other scientists and research that contradicts the measures that have been put in place by the moment. 
So he brought up a professor of theoretical epidemiology who suggests that fewer than one in a thousand of those infected become ill enough to need hospital hospital treatment. And to that, I say there will always be conflicting science over something that is new. And I hope to Christ that this professor is correct, because then it means that this isn't going to be as bad as people think. But my full credit to the government, I'd much rather have the protective measures in place for the worst case scenario, because, and this is the bit that Peter doesn't seem to quite wrap around his head. He's interpreting everything very selfishly as if it's about him and what if what happens if they relax the measures and he does eventually pass it on to that one person in a thousand or what if he completely ignores it and that does eventually happen it's just very very frustrating that he's just taken what seems to be this theoretical perspective which completely right to have and i assume that's come from decades of experience of this sinitra gupta and interpreted it as a, well, that means if I'm okay, then this whole thing is a massive panic, so I should go out into the streets. Lots of people have that opinion about loads of things, though. Like, it's not just happened with this. Yeah, a whole, like, if it's not happening to anyone else, it's not hap- if it's not happening to me, then it's not happening to anyone else kind of thing. I, I, I think the thing within this as well, it's an utter no-win situation because... It's it's going to go one of two ways. Either the health service is going to get absolutely swamped and is going to collapse, and then there's going to be angry columns written about how we haven't supported them enough and people haven't done the right thing, or the health service manages to work through everything that comes its way as a result of this, in which case the government's going to be accused of overreacting. There's, there's no there's no outcome of this that's going to result in columns like this saying the government's done the right thing. Yeah. No, no. I, and the thing is, I will never, ever, ever, ever defend the Tory party. But as I said last week, I don't think anyone could have really done a better job in this situation because it's a horrible, horrible situation. And, and to Peter's point about being over safe, you know, if you drink bleach... There's a, you're probably going to die. But there's a small chance that you won't die. But I would much rather than put on it, do not drink or you may die, than leave it up to the, because there's a chance that you might not. Like, yeah. if when it comes to people's health, you have to plan for the worst case scenario. Like, there are people that we all know that have got serious health conditions. And, you know, I would rather them be, oh, well, we, there's a chance this terrible thing could happen to me. I'm not going to do that and be like, oh, fuck it, I'll jump off a bridge, I might make it through. Do you know, do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, oh, here comes that safety police putting warning notes on bottles of bleach, telling me not to drink it. It is a very weird one to sort of go with because most likely none of us are going to get it. Most likely none of our families are. And it's one of those things, it's like people are saying, oh, well, why should I leave my house if I get hit by a bus? We're like, well, you can't control that. You can control this. As a general public and a population of like not just of the country of the world, we can control the spread of this. I'll, um, for one second, I'm just going to put, put this out to the room. So this is an argument from someone of, of Peter's persuasion that I saw. I'm just, I think it's bullshit. But I'm curious about people's opinion. Right. So they basically say that if you go outside and break quarantine and you live your life normally, there's a chance you could get coronavirus and die. 
How is that any different to someone making the choice to smoke cigarettes, knowing that it could kill them? Because it's all about rep repressing the spread and making sure that other people don't do it. It's a, <laughs> it's a lot like passive smoking, really. I mean, the reason 100%. we have... Not 100%, but it's essentially it's... why we have smoking areas, pub. I agree with you. I totally agree with you 100%. That's what, that's what I was saying. That, that If you look at it from a purely selfish perspective of, like, I will not, this will not kill me. But it's not about that. It's about everyone else. And the that was that, that, exactly. And that quote was the, the, that, that quote was I was you know I was using that to illustrate a point. I think a lot of people that are on this or oh, it's health and safety gone mad are looking at it from a purely selfish perspective, and they're not bothered about everyone else getting it. Yeah, it's always about that self-preservation rather than looking out for everybody else. And I... even but then, as you were talking about your neighbours earlier, Jay, like even the people who your elderly neighbours, they are one of the most people at risk, but yet they're not preserving themselves at all. Yeah. They just think it's just all going to blow over. Exactly. Uh... Do you, it's, I think there is a mentality among all the people. It's like, oh, we live through worse than this. We can live through this. And it's actually, no, this a virus doesn't, disc it, it doesn't discriminate. Oh, yeah. And we got an insight into that last it week, didn't we? <laughs> like, we got the um, by Chris audio segment exactly and 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 that boils down to the the absolute problem particularly in the the older generation is that there are some older people who have that view which is i've had my innings and if if this costs me my life i'm okay um i, I know a couple of older people who are of that mentality but there's a difference between not fearing death yourself and not caring if you sort of take a dozen or a hundred people with you and that's the the bit of the message that just doesn't seem to be getting across to a portion of the population yeah exactly it's, it's like that uh that pilot who uh, you know there's a story a couple of years ago there's a pilot who who killed himself by flying a passenger plane into a mountain um and it, it was yeah. and so he was really depressed and he was like the easiest way for me to do this is go to work for a plane into a mountain it's the same sort of thing you know uh i mean obviously he had severe mental health problems and mm. that's awful but it's it's a similar sort of mentality of i've had my life i i want you know i don't care anymore i'm going to take 400 other people with me or whatever it's the same mentality obviously that was an extreme circumstance that I brought up but the root cause of it is the root the root end result sorry not the root cause the root end result is essentially the same thing yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that's maybe that's the question we should be putting to people. And oh, is it, if you were on a plane and it was like, and you could do something to stop it crashing to save everyone, even though you don't care about dying, would you still do it? Bloody hell! Don't say that. Peter Hitchens will write another column of like, <laughs> got crazy. <laughs> They're asking me if I would go want to do... crash a plane into a mountain or get coronavirus. What is going on here? It's the same concept. Peter Hitchens strikes me as someone that will listen to anything that bears his name. So if you are listening to this, Peter, go fuck yourself. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag Peter Hitchens. Don't at me. They're <laughs> calling you Lindsay Baskin, Lens. <laughs> Joey's still alive, thanks. It's fine. Yeah. I'd only feed him to Looney, and I don't think she'd eat him anyway. Room <laughs> in Sardine oil and see how that gets in. <laughs> oh, she's a ham girl. 
Uh, for anyone listening who doesn't know me, Looney is my cat. <laughs> make that clear. Looney's just some cannibal that she keeps in her house, just for fun, fun occasions. Well, yeah. As we battle on through the piece, it's quite obvious that the key points that come out here is obviously he's been very selfish-minded about what he says. He flourishes his points with like descriptive terms, and he also drops in some slight insults against other countries like China and France as if we're better than that and this whole this adds to the whole idea of like every daily mail read is very isolated and very populist and that adds to the conversation that i see across a lot of like twitter and a lot of facebook where people are very like i mean you even gotta look over to america and they're calling it the china like the wuhan virus now and it's like that's not how a virus works it originated there but they're not to blame um and this final part that comes out of it is the fact that he essentially says, and this is a bit that a lot of right-wing commentators kind of lean on to try and say, hey guys, it's not as bad as you think it is. He says, there is a big difference between COVID-19 causing death and COVID-19 being found in someone who died of their causes, to which I say, no shit, Sherlock. Like, you lean on this a lot in reference to the testing measures, and what news is actually released, that still doesn't mean the rules in place are far too draconian. Like, while coronavirus itself doesn't necessarily have a high death toll, and it compounds pre-existing conditions and causes death because of it. And again, that is just another really, really dangerous point to make. Like, they are not hysterical measures, as you call them, when the impact of coronavirus on the vulnerable is right there in fucking front of you, and you just don't acknowledge it. So, a simple lesson that comes from me to all of you, dear listeners, is listen to the government and don't listen to fucking columnists like Peter Bell and Hitchens or, hell, yeah, even yeah. bloggers like me. Like, by all means, read and listen and digest what we do. Like, I, re- I wrote a piece about coronavirus, but fucking hell, take it with a pinch of salt. Don't take my words for gospel. Like, always listen to the government's advice, which is to stay safe, stay at home, and practice that social distancing as much as humanly possible. And that is all we can do. And to round off Fuck the Daily Mail, I just wanted to bring up a particularly hilarious quote from their political correspondent, Dan Hodges. So, obviously, the main purpose of the Daily Mail at the moment is to kind of run as the Tory party's PR team. And to be fair, they do a pretty good job. They do a good job of scaring a lot of old people and telling them that they should vote in a particular direction. But this particular quote uh, made me chuckle. So he said, Over the past week, Boris's critics have rounded on him. He's no Churchill. They have taunted. Perhaps they are right. But he's proved he's no Hitler either. And at some point in the future, we will realise that matters a whole lot more. So congratulations to Dan Hodges of the Daily Mail for setting the bar so low that basically to be a good PM, you basically don't have to be, don't be Hitler and you'll be a good PM in the Daily Mail's eyes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, is, don't commit is... mass genocide and you're cool. <laughs> if in your I, I, life yeah. people say he was no Hitler, I think you've had a good run. <laughs> I'm going to have it on my tombstone. <laughs> One of the one of the top replies to uh, to somebody who tweeted about it, I just thought somebody up better than I ever could, which is uh, basically just says, 
just cruise straight past Mussolini, Ivan the Terrible, and Genghis Khan all the way down to Adolf. Quite the wild ride trying to get inside Dan's mind. <laughs> <laughs> the guy's just a troll, isn't he? He's just he, he doesn't he does I firmly believe he doesn't write what he thinks. He just tries to write things that are gonna get a rise out of people. And heck it's fucking working in it because we're talking about it. But um, Is that Kate Hopkins? Is that Kate Hopkins? Yeah, oh totally. Oh yeah, and like I've spoken to like a couple of journalists from the Mail in the past. Like, um, I when I was pretty desperate when I graduated from university, and I was like, I want to be a journalist, and I applied for a few jobs there. But I got to speak to a couple of the writers there, and it's like they're all very, very liberally minded. But then, obviously, when they get into the office, they have a very specific tone of voice that they've got to fit. They get their agenda in the morning, and they have to ensure they fill it. No, like from speaking from sort of an industry standpoint like obviously i didn't do it professionally for very long but i've got the degree i've worked in five different newspaper offices like to a degree that that is very true you know like even on a local level like i worked at a newspaper in Warwick, mm. and that's a it's not a right wing place i would say but it's a tory stronghold it's like a center right tory stronghold yeah and it was, you know, all of the news stories, you could just read the slant that was on them, you know. You'd get the information come in and it'd be completely unbiased because it'd be facts and it'd be written in a certain way that was... If, if a crime was committed, for example, once once the people that commit the crime were known, their race or economic background would be pushed more to the forefront than the actual thing that was committed. But ultimately, that's what they know their audience wants to see. So they sort of have to pander to the audience somewhat. It's... it's it, in some in some cases the hands are tied, but this guy's a prick and knows what he's doing. So oh, absolutely. <laughs> and that concludes fuck the Daily Mail. If there's one thing we can all agree, it's fuck the Daily Mail. And now we turn over to Thorpe with some crazy coronavirus conspiracy theories. So where to begin? Honestly, some of these are absolutely fucking ridiculous. So the first one will start with the main, what I found to be the main one, which is 5G, which causes coronavirus, essentially. There is a guy called Delroy Chin. Just start, fantastic name. (laughs) Delroy Um, Chin. He's, (laughs) yeah, God knows. He sounds like a character of a fairly odd parent. Started a position, a petition even, to block 5G from being rolled out across the UK. And this petition has rocked up over 110,000 signatures. And it's also been shared by celebrities, what including Amanda Holden. So, I mean, that shows you the strength (laughs) of celebrities that are sharing that. Amanda fucking Holden got involved. Sense of of this country, do you know what I mean? (laughs) Um, So supposedly what he thinks is that it do, he says that it doesn't cause coronavirus, it causes symptoms very much like coronavirus. So, res- I can't say that word, Lindsay, this week, which you couldn't say last week. Respiratory um, symptoms, flu-like symptoms, pneumonia. And also cancer, of course, something else that causes cancer. Um, he says the radiation from the 5G towers is what causes it. And just to point out a, a 
statement from the petition is that our bodies are 85% water and the shortwave radiation increases the breakdown in our natural biology, causing cancers and other health conditions. I mean, what a load of shit. I mean... Really, honestly. I haven't mentioned that uh, the 5G radiation output is lower than infrared. So if they're getting all that from 5G, they're probably going to get it from the TV remotes as well. So... <laughs> It's never been proven that mobile phone masks, um, they do emit a slight amount of radiation, but they don't cause any health defects. And this has gone as far as like people lighting, setting fire to 5G towers. It's ridiculous. They'll be the first people complaining when they don't have any signal. <laughs> exactly. Main question I've got is, does, do, does Amanda Holden use a fucking microwave? <laughs> Well, I don't imagine she knows how to cook if she's sharing this. <laughs> I don't imagine they let her near anything hot. <laughs> Let's have a look. So, yeah, microwaves, electromagnetic, electromagnetic radiation, mm. about 300 gigahertz. And that is the also the same of the maximum frequency of 5G. So it's exactly the same as having a microwave in your house. With my job, I work with, I work with, my job, I work with smart meters. And we come over so much of the same stuff. Like we had someone call us and say they wanted us to go and remove it because of the radiation that it gives off. But they were calling us from a mobile phone. <laughs> and uh, when I turned around, when I turned around and said to them that actually it gives the device, it gives off less radiation than your phone does because it's that's not how it works. It doesn't send data out. You know, it just sends a, a Wi-Fi signal to us. Oh, uh, your mobile phone actually gives off more radiation, and you've literally got that next to your head. And he went, "Yeah, well." Your smart meter has made me sick and I hung up the phone. Ultimately, <laughs> remember, people are fucking stupid. <laughs> you're, you're really committed to Everyone making this a thing now. Game. I mean, the the amount, just to move it on to it, the amount I've managed to find, they're just fucking stupid. And France have had to put out a statement telling people not to use cocaine because it doesn't actually prevent coronavirus, what people think it does. <laughs> I mean... Could you imagine just everyone taking fucking wow. cocaine? I don't know if Dale's. I don't know if Mafra and Dale's listening to this right now. But if you are, then you're not immune. <laughs> because that was a meme. That was a meme, and now everyone's taking it seriously. I'm looking forward to the next. Like the internet is a dangerous place. Hey. So is. I'm looking forward to next week's episode of the Can virtual pub where we can just go all out and be like. Hey, yeah, so what we gotta do? We just gotta do all this. <laughs> <laughs> hey, in, in some pubs, there's usually somebody who goes into the toilet with a baggie, so we've gotta recreate it. That's very true. <laughs> speaking, of, speaking of pubs and going back to the last week's weather streams, what my favorite one of all time was the one that I heard in the pub close to before lockdown happened, and some drunk bloke was in there, and his own conspiracy theories that coronavirus isn't real it's just created by andrex of all people it's <laughs> <laughs> by far my favorite this is the bit that makes me laugh so much like this whole toilet paper panic buying coronavirus doesn't make you shit yourself like why are you buying so much it's, when I it mean... all started and it was buying pasta but not pasta sauce it's like enjoy your dry ass pasta. You... Oh, it wasn't. You can go. You go one step further than that. When all the panic buying started and everyone was buying up pasta, you couldn't get pasta except wholemeal. 
So yeah. it was like, we we need pasta, but we can't have the slightly healthier variant of it. Oh, fucking white. <laughs> Honestly, I've, I've, we all have a few friends in London, but one of mine stated that anything that had any t- type of foreign language written on it was left behind. <laughs> so you could get like, these ramen packets and all stuff, stuff like that. Anything that wasn't in English, loads oh, of it. And it's like, again, white people. Oh, dude, that's... Anything with spice was left behind. But it was like... <laughs> As as this is a podcast done by five white people, I think I need to to, to give reference to this. There's a very famous Chris Rock stand-up joke where he does about how there's two different types of black people. There are two different types of white people. There are white people and then fucking white people. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, we know our privilege. Yeah. That's the difference. If you don't buy pasta sauce, you don't like spice or flavour, you read the Daily Mail, you drink at certain establishments in Nottingham City Centre that may have stayed open or may not have stayed open after the lockdown. Allegedly. Um, allegedly. Um, you, 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 you can pick... And if you're listening to this and going, I don't know anyone like that, that means... It's you. That's you. <laughs> <laughs> the type of people... They're the type of people that don't drink Corona because it's called coronavirus. Mm. That's exactly right, Ben Thorpe, yes. <laughs> or they're the people that ask for a corona without the virus. Or without a Lyme. Oh, fucking hell. Tell me that did not happen while you were at work. I mean, we don't all sell the... corona, so... Oh, thank God. Uh, oh. All the time, Jason. I worked in Yates. <laughs> 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 I mean, I did one for myself, because obviously we don't sell corona, so someone someone did ask well oh, can i have a corona please and i was like i can't make they're all in quarantine Boo. <laughs> they loved it and so my a plus customer service was right on point there so the simple conclusions that i'm getting from here is white people are fucking stupid ultimately yeah. you've got to remember that people are fucking stupid. Yeah. <laughs> that is some expert analysis there, okay. Dolby. I love, I love, I love oh, that no, in the space of two podcasts, Dolby's gone from targeting, you know, half a dozen people who are stupid to now probably about three and a half billion. Um, no, no level up. people. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, just, it's just the standard thing, isn't it? It's people who decide that they. They have to know more, and that's all that causes it. The, the one that always sticks in my head on this, the original conspiracy theory, is the dihydrogen monoxide one. Have you guys? Are you guys familiar with this? I'm not. No. No. no please elaborate. So it was a. It was a. It, I think it was a US radio DJ that did it as an April Fool's thing a few years ago, but it like massively took off, and this was like early days of Twitter. So it then it then kind of gained traction all on its own. So he was reading out all of these. Um, things about dihydrogen monoxide which is you know a really dangerous chemical and it was being it was being fed to americans and they didn't know about it and his justification was that you wouldn't know you were being fed it because it's odorless it's colorless it doesn't really have any taste but it's finding its way into your food and and poisoning you from the inside and if you have too much of it it can like give you a really bad badly upset stomach and you'll need to go to the toilet loads and everything like that Dihydrogen monoxide is water. <laughs> I do remember that. I remember that. Jesus Christ. So everything he said Didn't was... And he, and 
he got in trouble for it because it was like all these people were ringing in and like oh as it was it's just amazing isn't it a thing by like some university students or something because they had they made a website for it but that's what it is it's like with the 5g thing it is you've just got to ask yourself critically if it if all right let's for a second start with the assumption that it's true that actually this is all you know the coronavirus is a massive cover-up for 5g are you seriously saying that the governments of some of the richest and most capitalist countries in the world would actually buy into letting this happen to you know destroy their economies you've just got to start with that point and the whole argument falls down but i don't know as I say, I, people are stupid. Yeah. I think I'll just, I think I'll just leave it with this bit. I, I was reading when I was doing research into this. I read this one, the one line in this article from the Wired, and it was about Cardi B. And this is how serious you'd probably take all these conspiracy theories. Essentially, she's come out and said that celebrities like Idris Elba are being paid to say they have Corona. And the the reason that I read about this was it was said. By someone for reasons. That's the only justification against it. Right? But I think that's dun, the that's initially dun, what you need dun. to give. For, <laughs> for reasons. So if you want to know if you want to know the facts, just go on gov.uk and don't believe any of the shit you're reading. <laughs> it's just not worth it. You know, I feel like you've got the expert analysis there, Ben. But Dolby, do you want to wrap up exactly what we're saying saying here? got to remember that people are fucking stupid. Welcome back, and you'll be happy to know that the remaining stories have absolutely nothing to do with talking about coronavirus directly. So, Dolby, do you want to take it away? This week on the Cordial Corner, as most of you will be very glad to know, we're not going to mention wrestling at all. Um, We're going to focus on the British festival season. Now, we're not going to mention corona directly. Um, I know that some people's summer plans have been disrupted uh, by it. We will touch on it very briefly. But for the most part, we're going to be staying away from it and trying to keep it positive. Now, all of us in this in this podcast have been to festivals. I think most of us have been to festivals together in at least some form. So the British festival season, I think, is probably unlike anything else anywhere in the world. Any genre of music is catered, catered for. You've got things like download for your heavier stuff. You've got things like Cream Fuels for dance music. You've got Leeds Festival, which kind of covers everything. And it runs through from May, I think, until about September now. I think the last few festivals are sort of September, October time. So what we're going to go through on this is we're going to, as a group, discuss our favourite festivals. We're going to discuss the worst festivals we've ever been to. And for any of you out there that are hoping to go to a festival later this year, we'll give you your do's and your don'ts, what you need to take, what you don't need to take. Discuss uh, the best bands we've seen now at festivals, and then we will touch on at the end the stuff no one wants to talk about. 
the alternatives for people whose festivals have been cancelled due to that C word that we're not going to say. Now, for me, personally, uh, Slamdunk is the best festival I've been to, but that's because I'm basically just a massive emo. And that is one of the ones that's been delayed till later in the year. Um, it's a one-day festival, so it's sort of different to the traditional three days, camping in the fields, getting off your tits for four days um, that most of us are used to. So so around the room, what, what would you say your favourite music festivals are? Ooh, I... I'm, with, I'm with you on Slamdunk, mate. I would probably say, even though it doesn't exist, so as the supporting answer for a festival that's still around, I would say Slamdunk, but... My favourite festival would definitely have to be Heavy Fest. I would yeah. say mine. I would say mine would be Slamdunk, but also I don't even know what's going on now. But uh, Grows Rock in Belgium for one of the continent. I mean, twenty twelve was amazing when we went. So um, Slamdunk, just 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 for context, is a sort of punk pop punk and emo festival. Uh, it's in Leeds and in Hatfield, which is I believe just outside London or, or down south somewhere. So unlike the sort of traditional festival that all takes place on the one day and then they move everybody to the, the other venue on the on the second day so that's a lot more it's, it's it's like a mini city break with lots of alcohol really um they do a big pre-party the night before they do the festival they do an after party this year before the uh, unfortunate change of circumstances a day to remember we're going to play a headline show on the festival grounds on the sunday as well which would have been quite interesting to see so that that sort of differs because it, it's a lot more people staying in hotels and having showers and not spending like shit for the the entirety of it i think has everyone in this group been to download at least at least for yeah, yeah. no okay I've, so everyone... i've only been for a day but i i've been to reading i've been to reading festival twice so i know the yeah. whole i know the deal yeah i've been to Leeds. Oh, so Reading and Leeds and Download are your two sort of on more traditional lines of a festival. So Download uh, over at Donington Park is a Wednesday to Monday with, with bands playing Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Uh, Leeds, Reading and Leeds, it's, it's kind of a hybrid between the two, really, because it's the same lineup, but each venue gets a different set of acts on each day. But you have the experience of camping out in a field. So uh, for anyone listening to this who's never been to a festival before, uh, what would your top tip be? For your first festival experience, don't drink in the car on the way to the festival. Fucking <laughs> 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 hell! Um, um, I'll tell the story behind this. It was we were driving to Heavy Festival, and we um, God, what toll bridge were we at, Ben, for this? It was uh, it, oh, I can't remember. It was the one down Kentway, wasn't it? Hartford. But whatever it was, it was Ben got in the front seat with some ridiculous, like, some spirit and some mixer, and just pulling both. It was Southern Comfort. <clears throat> and that Red was Bowl. it. And just piled them all into this like two liter bowl and just absolutely caned it. And as we were going over the bridge, well, as we started to head towards the bridge, he was like, "I really need to go to the toilet." And it's like, "Mate, we can't. There's literally no service stops, and we've got to go over this bridge." And um, for some odd reason, he then decided to try and piss in the bottle. And this <laughs> this required him to, like, turn around, straddle the passenger seat, and try and get his dick in the bottle. And I'm here fully aware as the driver, looking through the rearview mirror, that there's a police car slowly 
coming up to overtakers. And I don't know how they managed to just completely miss just this guy trying to piss in a bowl, but they just drove by. So tip number one, don't get drunk on the journey on your way. Lindsay, what would your tip be? Um, well, my one came from my mum, actually, which did, um, my first experience at running festival, I did not listen to her and I really regret it. And I followed it the second time. Um, like every couple of beers, have some water, like have mm. a bottle of water. Because it will, it, honestly, it obviously came from my mum. My mum's been doing the fact festivals for years now since before we all were like she's done glastonbury and ida white and festival she went to leeds because she said she couldn't go to reading because she can't do the same one as her daughter bear in mind we lived in devon so she drove <laughs> from devon to go to leeds so we didn't go to the same one <laughs> <laughs> so, but she she's quite a vet when it comes to festivals and her thing was always when you have a beer have a bottle of water moody what is your tip I think it's just spend the money you need to spend to have the comfort while you're there. So spend the money on a good tent, spend the money on a good sleeping bag. It's I, it's way too easy, I think, to just turn up with the bare basics and think you'll be all right. And on the first night you might be, but particularly if you're at a Download or a Reading or a Leeds where, and I've done the full five nights at Download on multiple occasions. So I've literally turned up at midday on Wednesday and been there until like, monday morning by the time you get to the third night if you've not got if you've not got comfort you just the whole experience is miserable every minute of it so you just you just got to take a good sleeping bag take a like those ground sheet things and to be fair at most festivals you can still get them for about fiver so even if they're just one of the throwaway ones i know that's not particularly environmentally conscious but you, you know make up for it recycling your rest of your life or whatever but just, just get them because it's worth it. And also, from a drinking perspective, totally agree with what Lindsay says. But the other thing, and it kind of plays in with it, is take some fucking pint glasses, red cups, whatever. Because there comes a point where you just get bored of drinking out of warm cans. And lukewarm drinks taste better out of plastic cups than they do out of cans. Yeah, that sort of ties into what I was going to say. My, my tip would be always pay money for the nicer toilet. Mainly <laughs> because... <laughs> <laughs> It comes from Download doing basically a fucking hustle where this company used to go to Download every year and if a tenor, you could use their fancy toilets for the whole weekend, which are like not the, they were basically the proper sort of portaloos you'd get in a building site or whatever, but they were made to look very nice and they got cleaned. They had soap, shampoo, water, you know, running water, and they were like a tenor for the weekend. So then uh, Download charged 30 quid and told them they couldn't come back. But it was the best money I've ever spent because there was never any queues and you actually sort of felt, felt like you weren't going to catch like fucking diseases from going for a piss. Um, yeah, like, <laughs> my, 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 yeah, Thorpe, have you got any tips? Um, I would say just on the basis of what Moody said, like get a decent tent because I remember the first time I went to Heavy, I had a shitty little £13 pop-up tent from the local camera shop and I don't think I remembers I was hammered all weekend and it pissed it down the last night before and I woke up in a puddle 
because it had rained all night. I just woke up in a puddle and everything was fucking soaked. Oh, Jesus. It's also worth adding to that, isn't it, Philip, that if you just buy a little £13 single tent, you should really peg it down with every single road that it comes with so that other people <laughs> don't pick the tent up with you in it and put it in someone else's tent, because I'm pretty sure that happens. Mm. Moody, I do believe that was Grows Rock. And to be fair, oh, was it? it's happened every, every festival I've been to. <laughs> oh, fucking hell. It was... Um... I, remember, I remember it was Spen Stagdon yeah. when I woke up the first night and the tent was just flat because everyone decided to take every single pent tag. Uh, pent tag? <laughs> out of the ground. So I was just essentially in a big ass... Yeah, oh, we did, we just took all like we took the um you know when you set up a tent and you attach the poles to like each corner of the tent to like make it pop up. Yeah, we mm-hmm. just removed the poles. So then they just all laid <laughs> flat over Ben Thorpe. Also, don't let don't let anyone pay James Wright thirty euros to front flip onto your tent. <laughs> <laughs> As a disclaimer on that one, it doesn't have to be someone called James Wright. Don't let anyone flip Front yeah, exactly. <laughs> Let's not make it too exclusive to James Wright on this episode. <laughs> so, I know, as much as... Um, one of my times at Reading, my friend Matt from Devon, um, he was wandering around. He had a padlock and he padlocked his tent, which is one thing that I would never ever do, even if you've got stuff. Because if you've got a padlock on your tent, to me, that means you've got something in that tent that Just I want to steal. attention to it, yeah. So, my friend Matt had a padlock and he did padlock it a couple of nights and then he got too drunk and kept forgetting to. So what he then did on like the Monday morning, he was up really early, just went walking around, as you do, sort of see what's cracking up, see what bonfires are happening. Because there will be bonfires. If you've never been to a festival, every Monday there are loads of fires. It just happens. Um, and he found a couple having sex in a tent and padlocked them in. <laughs> <laughs> as, as, as much as they are amazing experiences, I think we can all vouch for the fact that there are, as well as the do's, there are definitely some don'ts. Yeah. Um, I mean, one thing I want to make clear right now is before we go into this, don't let us, don't listen to this and not not go. So I remember last time I went to download, so it's a couple of years ago, it was just after the sort of spate of terrorist attacks in London when they were getting their cars and running over people, stabbing people and stuff. And I remember, because on the download website, they've got a pre-active forum. It's like the only forum in the world that people still actually use. Hmm. Uh, there's a girl on there who basically put a massive post about how she bought tickets but didn't want to go because she was really scared about something happening and the community sort of got behind her and told her it was going to be okay so before we get into this next bit this is we're going to say some don'ts we're going to touch on the things to avoid um don't let that put you off going so i'll start off but i want if if, if, the, if the group could provide with a don't of festival life and uh silly a, a story about their festival experiences it's either deck it's sort of it's either a bit daft or or is proof of what not to do my first one would be like I, I i can't you know i'm not saying don't enjoy yourself but you know don't take drugs from strangers <laughs> it sounds really <laughs> obvious it, 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 it sounds it sounds it sounds really obvious and we're all you know we're all grown up here we're not going to sit around and say, oh, don't, don't do drugs or whatever. You know, if you want to do it, do it. You live your own lives. Um, but, you know... If don't with your own supply. 
Yeah, like if you're going to smoke weed, smoke weed or whatever. But if someone comes up to you and offers a pill, don't take it. You know, we've all seen, I've, I've personally seen festivals, you know, people being carted out in ambulances at a festival because they took the wrong, you know, took off someone that they, they didn't know or couldn't handle or whatever. But to slightly change the the tone, my, my festival story is, I don't even even know if you guys will know it, but it's quite funny. Um, so when I went to download, there's me, my friend Will, I've uh, been to download quite regularly. I think every guy, everyone on this podcast will know him. Um, we went to download once and we decided on the way there, we're going to make a ludicrous bet for the weekend. So you have to try and do this for the whole weekend of the year. Um, I can't remember what his was, but he said to me, you've got to try and convince people you're from another country and this is your first ever festival. So I got really drunk and put on a really sketchy American accent for the whole time. <laughs> <I was there. laughs> and I kept it, and I kept it up. And so my, my, my main memory of it, because if you, you know, you drink as much as I'm sure we have at a festival, you don't necessarily have the clearest memory, is being sat in a tent telling a story about me working in a bar uh, next to where the Chicago Bears play and how I made $2,000 in tips in one night when they won a football game. Obviously, it's like, I've never even been to Chicago. It's terrible. Well, uh, that's, that's fucking <laughs> yeah. bullshit because their stadium is in the arse. Well, it's not in the arse in the nowhere, but there isn't a bar within about two miles of it. <laughs> so so my, my friend... My fr- my friend leaves the tent, and I'm like, are you all right? He goes, yeah, I couldn't sit there anymore. I was like, why? He goes, I just don't know how you did it. You just opened your mouth, and words just flowed out, and it was so <laughs> impressive, but I was going to have it down laughing. But that sort of became a little bit of a downer tradition, where I, I was like, oh, I'm not going to do it again. But I get really drunk and start doing it. And I genuinely <laughs> apologize to all the people that I've met, and I've told that I'm a fucking hockey player or wrestler or barman that lives in – I don't – you know, I'm never, I've, never, I've never been to America in my life. I don't – it's just – but it was always a laugh, and uh, yeah, it's just you kind of you kind of live in a different world, and it doesn't really sort of matter the stupid shit you do when you're at a festival. But uh, yeah, it was a laugh. We'll start with Lindsay this time. So if you've got a don't, what is your number one don't do at a festival and a silly festival story? Hmm. Don't. I would say don't camp too close to the arena. So I did that both times at Reading. I I don't know if anyone's been to Reading. Uh, I've been to so, Leeds. So there's, when you walk into the Reading Festival site, the first, you go through the campsite to get to the arena like you do most of them. But there's green campsite, which is as soon as you walk in. And then there's the arena entrance and then there's yellow campsite and then the rest of them are a little bit far out. I've parked it, I've camped in green and yellow both times. Green's not so bad, because, but it's still people constantly coming in and out of people that for only on day tickets or people that are going to stores people that are going in and out back to their cars don't get any sleep what little you have and then i parked in yellow i keep saying parked camped in yellow which was next to the fairground and again no sleep whatsoever be real like think about where you're going to sleep the best because you are gonna need it what little you do have i think i only have about three hours a night but it needs to be good sleep um i will say for a do though do explore your campsite do explore it because you walk around, you meet new people for a start. And I remember finding this little chip shop van out in right in one of the corners, away from the rest of the stores, that was like half the price of everywhere else. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Festival food. It's like a it's like six quid for a burger. Mm. Yeah. And if you don't expect to pay less than a fiver for a meal at a festival, but if you can find do explore the campsites, do meet new people. 
do put yourself out there a little bit because it does help you do make some friends like even if they're not friends for life they might be friends like if you've got a varied music taste like a lot of my friends didn't like the music I was into when I was going to Reading and then I'd meet someone who did and then we said okay cool well I'll see you at that tent for that band then so we're not on my own and then there's the story of me falling asleep watching brand new which is pretty much that good story good story (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so, uh, Moody, what would your uh, top don't be and your silly festival? Fall, fall, falling asleep during brand new sounds like, with hindsight, a really good thing to do because you shouldn't watch them because they're um, terrible people. Um, <laughs> I, 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 it come, kind of leads on from something that Lindsay, uh, I think it was Lindsay said uh, about how the environment is very different. And actually, I think the best way to describe a good festival atmosphere is that you will not know what time it is at any time of day. It is perfectly feasible to see people drinking, sitting outside their tent at 7.30 in the morning. Um, I believe, well, I I reckon the only times I've ever drunk Jaeger bombs before about three o'clock in the afternoon have been at festivals. Uh, which is obviously like the likes of Download and Arc Tangent and 2000 Trees, and then once in my flat, but that was before Hit the Deck Festival. So I was drinking, <laughs> drinking Jaeger bombs in my flat at 10:30 in the morning, but it was a festival, so that's acceptable. Um, but that kind of leads into the don't, which is don't peak too early, and it's kind of a reworded thing of what Lindsay said, which is drink, drink some fucking water, but. Just remember that when you start drinking, you're probably going to be drinking for a long time. Um, And, well, either remember that you're going to be drinking for a long time and pace yourself accordingly, or, as I'm sure everyone on this podcast will be able to talk about, know that you're going to peak too early, be okay with it, and then when you die at, like, 5 o'clock in the afternoon, then that's what you do. And I've done that a few times, and there's a lot of fun to be had in it, but... um, make sure that there aren't any bands that you really want to see later in the day because you're probably going to end up missing them. Um, yeah, I think it's just about knowing that at a festival, everyone's there for the same reason. You can kind of let that, those inhibitions go. There are times that you wouldn't walk up to random people and just start chatting to them, but you can absolutely do that at festivals. Um, and yeah, just just have fun with them. They are, they, they, there are idiots at them. There is no doubt there's idiots at them, but there's idiots everywhere you go. Um, I think the proportion of idiots to non-idiots at festivals is a lot better. There's a lot more non-idiots at festivals than there are just walking down a city street. So yeah, just, just have at it. They're fucking so, great. So I want to say on the back of that as well, like sort of to do with my do and don't, obviously at festivals that, are dickheads and there are people that are not nice there are people that will go in your tent and steal your things a, a do would be massively make friends with the people camping around yeah. you oh yeah oh 100 percent. 100 yeah 100 because then they'll look out for your stuff you look out for theirs because not everyone's in the arena watching bands all the time like everyone's in and out constantly and if you know everyone in your little group not only does it help when you're drunk as fuck at 2am and it's dark and you can't find your way back until you see someone's tent you recognise or someone that you recognise and they're willing to walk you back, but it also it's that security and you create a little community within your little campsite. Yeah. And it, it, it's wonderful. It is yeah. great. And I would add on to that as well, where we're talking about like, there will always be like some knobheads at a festival. I feel like that's quite 
that's quite a sliding scale depending on the kind of festival you go to like download i've had nothing but great experiences and like everybody around me has been like really friendly but then the moment i went to leeds uh some of my neighbors were great another neighbor tried to throw a jam jar at me so it's very it's a kind of a sliding scale depending on what kind of festival you go to at the risk of sounding like a grumpy old person and my first festival was 2006 so 14 years ago now i think the way festivals have evolved and particularly for anyone that's listening to this that's not been to a festival don't start with the likes of reading or leeds or download or any of the big 60 70,000 plus people festivals unless you are going because you explicitly want to see all of the headliners um that's very good advice for for, for me for me your mid-sized festivals there's a there's a a couple that are put on um in the the west country that they're basically put on by the same people uh one is in cheltenham called 2000 trees the other is south of bristol called art um art tangent they for me are the best examples of what festivals are it should be about and and I say that simply because, you know, you go to a download a Reading or a Leeds, you camp, yeah, you'll have a great time on the campsite. But the fact is to get from your tent to go and watch bands, even if you're camping in the campsites right next to the entrance, which as Lindsay quite rightly says, you probably shouldn't, you're talking about a 25, 30 minute walk just to get there. So you end up in this mindset that you've got to you kind of got to get ready, go into the arena, watch your bands, and then when you're done, you walk back, and that's you kind of done for the day. Whereas the mid-sized festivals, you can kind of pop back for half an hour, go and get a bit of food from your tent or whatever, and it's just it's just a better all-round experience. Um, and also, you've actually got half a chance of actually seeing people you know if you go in a group. Um, you know jay obviously mentioned heavy festival one of the best things about the heavy festivals that we went to was that it's a festival of three thousand people you you could always find each other you know you didn't even have to make plans it was just well if we're on main stage people will probably be around here and that's that's the best experience um so don't don't go to the ones that less necessarily everybody knows just because you want to just be told you should go look at what's available, latch onto a few bands that you like and you know, go and see them and you'll discover other stuff on route. Um, what would your number one don't be then, Thorpe? So, uh, essentially, mine's sort of two different ones. My funny story is just about something completely different. My over one would be don't overpack for a festival. Because, I mean, when I went to Leeds, it was my first festival. We travelled to Leeds on the train and I took way too much stuff for me. So essentially, it was a pain in the arse with all the beer and stuff to take it up with me. But also, like I, you end up leaving a lot of stuff behind, so it's not, it's a pain in the arse to for everyone to clean up after you. So essentially, just don't take too much stuff for those two reasons: environmental and obviously your own ease of getting to the festival. I don't know. Yeah, just make sure. But, that yeah, I don't know why I imagined you having yeah. packed a trouser press or something. Like, I don't know why that came into my head there. But... <laughs> See, I went to- I, 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 went... <laughs> I went toaster. I thought you'd taken a toaster. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately. No, I only took, like, one rucksack. I mean, I took... I I took like a whole, I took like a holder with me the first time, but then the next time I just took like my rucksack with my tent in something else. But um, 
but the story was how many stories do we have of me making a twat of myself at festivals when <laughs> when you lost your ticket 741 uh, that's yeah that's probably that's no we don't need to bring any <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to tell a story if you don't want to slam no no the best one was um was heavy was a uh, gross rock so we another don't would be don't sort of aim to see bands because i mean we went to gross rock and there was uh, me and two of my mates james and casey and we found these booking broncos in the campsite you every time you went on them you got a free beer and it was oh, some form of European beer, Hoe Garden Rose, I think. And we ended up missing two bands that James really wanted to see. I mean, I was a two bob. And we came off those book. We must have gone on those booking Broncos about seven times. <laughs> so we had about four pints for free. <laughs> and he and he literally could hear them when he was on a booking Bronco and just completely missed, completely just missed it. So yeah. But that's quite a tame story compared to what I've got. I've got a tie into this, and it, it's almost a summary of everything that we've said. Uh, I'm going to give a, a good shout out to my to our good friend Mike Clark, um, and the aforementioned heavy festival where Crime and Stereo were playing. And Mike had never seen Crime and Stereo, and he was so looking forward to seeing them. It was their first UK show in about five years, if I remember rightly. Anyway, he had a few drinks in the morning, and he had a few drinks in the afternoon. And I can tell you with 100% certainty that he saw Crime in Stereo because I was there. I watched him enjoying it. He was having a lo- he was having a lovely time. He wasn't looking at the stage all that much because he was that drunk. But he was very drunk. But he was there taking it in, having a lovely time. Fast forward to the following morning. What did he remember about Crime in Stereo? Absolutely fucking nothing. <laughs> he didn't remember that he'd seen them. He had no recollection of the moment. Just don't peak too early. Don't drink too much. Drink water. Have stick to your plan. If this is the same Mike Clark that I think you're thinking of, um, he doesn't handle his drink too well either. (laughs) (laughs) I've only really had about five drinks, if it's the same person. I think my favourite funny story about a festival, and it has to have a mention because we were all there, is Ben Four at Slam Dunk. Panic at the disco. Amazing. Oh, God. So. Um, Oh, Jay, do you want to go with this one? Let me. You were with him most of the time. Let me set the stage for you. Dolby, you weren't with us, were you? Can we have some context about the disappointment of Foyish? Set your goals that day, please. Please do. And then I'm just going to go ahead and embarrass you on this podcast. That's fine. Not a problem. Um, I'd been all hyped up to see Set Your Goals in their first UK show in God knows how long. And we were upstairs for four years strong on the balcony. We went to go downstairs to watch Set Your Goals. And they did a, you had to go out of the venue and re-queue. But by this point, the queue was about 6,040 people long or something stupid. So you were going to have no chance of getting in. So we went to see F- New Fan Glory, was it? And I proceeded to drink about four or five pints in the space of about 45 minutes. You drank your weight. So obviously he's told the beginning of this story where he started drinking a lot. And we got to the headline act of Panic at the Disco. This was the first time that I'd ever seen them. And 
My love for Panic at the Disco goes back to when I was 14 years old and I was trying to play that violin bit at the um, beginning of I Write Sins on the guitar. It's fucking difficult to try and actually contort your fingers into such frets to actually do that. And yeah, it turns out that Drunk Ben Thorpe is not good at a festival. He started falling all over the place. I think he hit on a couple of people as well from what I saw. Um, and but can we, all just, can, can we all just point out that that is the drunkest I've probably ever been in my life? There was a moment when Moody grabbed hold of him and had him in a straight jacket <laughs> hug, <laughs> and then we had to. And then I then sat him down by the side and was like, Ben, you need to sit there, and if you're really our friend, you will sit there and behave yourself. And he did for about 10 seconds. My favorite bit is. My boyfriend at the time, because this was a couple of years ago, uh, we had driven up there with our friends Maz and her sister Ellie. And so Maz and Ben known each other for a very long time. They worked together, were really good friends. But he, <laughs> they were, these girl, poor girls are still in front of us all a little bit, just and enjoying it. And then Ben proceeds to put his head in between them, drape his arms over, and just kind of hang on to them. Maz turns around and goes, Ben, what are you doing? And he just goes, I just want you to know that I'm here. <laughs> Jesus Christ. And then I think it was around about this time that I ended up having to take him away. Just at the moment that Panic at the Disco started to fucking play I Write Sins, I was carrying him out of the venue and trying to get towards a taxi. He nearly walked in front of a bus and... I eventually threw him in a taxi and when we got back to the hotel rooms, I carried him back and I literally just dropped him at his front door and walked off. Just to uh, to bring this this segment of the podcast to a quick end, um, not a quick end, but to move on to the next bit. Um, unfortunately, coronavirus has meant that certain festivals, you know, Glastonbury's been cancelled, Downer's been cancelled, Slam Dunk's been postponed to September. Though for anyone going, they have just released the lineup today, and it's pretty much exactly they've done really well. Yeah, um, um, certain people are going to be disappointed. So there, there are alternatives out there for people that can't see their favorite bands this summer. Um, the ones that I've particularly noticed, Frank Turner's been doing some live streams. Anti Flag have been doing some live streams. Um, anyone is into their more sort of pop mainstream stuff. There was the I Heart concert. I, I think we've got a link to a news article about it. But if you go on Twitter and put in hashtag iHeartConcert, Elton John hosted it. You've got the Backstreet Boys there. There's plenty of bands. It's about three hours long in total. I think the, the running time for the whole show. James Corden did Home Fest. Um, so that had bands from all over the world doing live sets on his show as well. So what I think we should get behind is the concept of a virtual festival. So, so what is a virtual festival, you ask? So... The best way to describe it would be you and your friends get together, you pick four or five bands each, and you make a Spotify playlist of those bands, as many songs as you want to choose between them, and then you FaceTime, video chat, Discord, house party, whatever your chosen method is, and you all listen to that playlist, and you basically just get really drunk while you're doing it. Preferably outside in the sun, to give you that real festival experience. If you want to, you can have someone backflip onto a tent in your back garden. <laughs> <laughs> you want to live the Ben Thorpe experience of a festival. If you've got a garden, 
put a tent in it. Yeah. Yeah. Sit in your tent. Don't wash for a few days. Uh, so what I want to do is I am going to make a little virtual festival playlist of bands that I like. I'm going to leave it to the other guys in the podcast to contribute to as well. So we'll get a little virtual pub virtual festival ready that we'll put in the show notes on Spotify for next week. Um, and if anyone out here take, wants to, they can get involved. Tweet me. I'll put my uh, Twitter handle out on the show. That's unlikely bands. And I'll add them on to the little virtual festival playlist. We can all have a big communal virtual festival all together. Now, anyone that knows me will know the bands that I'm going to put on it because it, I, I don't really have the facts of the bands that I do like or not. So there's going to be a lot of Arkland Trio on it and lots of probably early 2000s emo music on the... Uh, because ultimately, that's what brought us together as a group was our love of music. So we'll try and get that together for you next week. And any suggestions are more than welcome for the virtual pub virtual festival. There is an absolute wealth of YouTube content, which is just live sets from festivals. And it's the sort of thing that uh, until a couple of weeks ago, I just, you know, why am I going to do that? I'll just go and watch bands live. But in this world that we live in, where that's not a thing you can do at the moment, I've actually sat down and watched multiple sets from festivals, just, you know, bands doing their thing. And yes, it's not as good as a real festival, but it's actually a surprisingly good alternative. Um, I had a fantastic hour on Saturday morning. It was a little bit weird for the timing because the band is Australian, but a band called Hands Like Houses, who I thoroughly recommend anyone checks out, um, actually, they took it a step further and they did a Facebook live stream. Uh, I think it was streamed on Twitch as well. but they actually did a full production. So they got everyone together and they basically put on a a live show with no audience, um, set up the stage in quite a unique way. They had sort of a diamond, there's four in the band, so they had sort of a diamond formation to ensure that they were all six feet apart from one another um, and and just played through their hits with full lighting and, and, and effects and everything. It was actually a really, really enjoyable show. So... Just, just yeah, dive in. Just literally, you go on YouTube, search for a band you like, followed by the words full set. It's worth sometimes going onto the filter and setting it to videos over 20 minutes, but there are a lot of a lot of bands you can find full sets of. And I'm, I'm working on kind of getting a, a list of those together as well. So if you're wanting to kind of have that festival experience in your own living room, you can kind of just rattle through some of those. It's, uh, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, and I will add all of these different links that we find and all of these recommendations into the show notes so that we can all catch up onto them. And I've got another addition to Go that, for it. sorry. Um, there is actually a website called whoneeds.live. Okay. Because, like, for instance, I did not know that what day, like, tonight, uh, Jimmy World were doing one. Wow, okay. Happening, well... Yeah, exactly. So huge cool. things. Jarvis Cockers tomorrow, and it's pretty much who needs dot live. It's literally got a live stream gig list. Cool. And as for my what else do you need? Final recommendation. Um, so I went to the Leicester Comedy Festival with Moody recently, um, and off the back of that, we watched a hilarious musical comedian called Frizz Fizzle, and he's currently so he's good. doing um regular live sets every friday evening at 7 p.m on his facebook page 
And like, for example, um, he does, he covers the song um, Papa Don't Preach. And in this song, he talks about um, robbing an Indian takeaway and he calls it Papa Don Breach. And that sort of stuff oh my God. <laughs> absolutely kills me. And you should all absolutely check it out. I'll pop all of these links in the show notes below. And that's all the news for this week. So join us after the break where Dolby will hopefully be giving us a slightly easier quiz than last week. So for those of you that were listening to last week's pub quiz, the one featuring Steve Cold, Stone Austin, um, Ben Thorpe was our winner last week by a point. So his specialist subject for this week was The Simpsons. And as you all know, I don't just like to ask basic questions. So we're going to go on a walk into our Springfield, and that will be me giving you clues to famous in Springfield, and you have to guess what the place is. So as usual, say your name, and then say your answer. Some of them are quite easy. Some of them are a bit more difficult. But I'm expecting better scores than the zero that we got last week. <laughs> so number one. If you look to your left, you will see Homer Simpson's place of work. Jason. It's owned by Mr. Burn. Yeah. Uh, Springfield Nuclear Power Plant. Correct. You've already beat your score. Yay. <laughs> Question number two. So after leaving the power plant, we'll go slightly down the road for two blocks. And if you look over on the right-hand side, you'll see the perfect place to get a dated hot dog or a squishy. Thorpe, quickie mark. Yep, that is one point for Thorpe. So we'll leave the quickie mark now. We didn't get to see Snake committing a robbery this week, but you never know what will happen next time you join us. <laughs> so you'll now see one of Springfield's finest restaurants. Homer. Crusty Burger? No. So oh, Homer once sued this. Mick. Yep. Or the truffle. No. Homer once sued restaurant as they could not fulfill their all you can eat offer. Moody. Yep. I don't know I don't know if I, it's got a name, but it's your restaurant. <laughs> it's got a name. <laughs> The troll, ah, oh, troll or something. Uh... Ben Thorpe, Frying Dutchman. Oh! <laughs> so now you're all full of seafood, thanks to the sea captain. If you look over there, you'll see a border. Now that is Springfield rival town. Moody. Moody got there first. Moody got Shelby there first. Hill. Yeah, so one point for Moody. Thought that wasn't your point. Right, so now we walk away from Shelbyville where you can see this lemon tree that they once stole from Springfield. Now, as we walk towards the train station, we won't actually see this place, but it is the state capital. Their town mascot is the goofball. Principal Skinner and Marge are both from there, and it's the home of the Duff Brewery. 
and at one of Homer's many, many other jobs, he became Dancing Homer, the mascot for their baseball Jason. team. Jason. Oh. Uh, yep. Springfield Latin Stadium. No. And Thorpe. Yep. Springfield Isotope Stadium. Nope. Moody. So I did say we won't actually get to go to this oh, place. Moody. Moody. Is it Albuquerque? No. Uh. Any other guesses? So this is Capital City. Uh. The capital, home oh. of the Capital City goofball. Question number six. Well, stop number six, shall we say. We're on a tour. This isn't a quiz. We're on a tour. <laughs> um, so, in this shop, Bart Simpson saw the first edition of Radioactive Man on sale. And that was the first time you ever saw it in Springfield. It's owned by a surly comic and book. Thorpe. Yep. Android's Dungeon. Android Dungeon is correct. Oh, <laughs> ben Thorpe looks like he's going to take. No, we're going to go to the shopping mall now. A shop here is owned by one of the town's most famous Jason. residents. Lindsay was first. Left Handatorium. Yep, Leftorium. That is correct. Mm. So that means everyone's got a point in this episode, which is already better than last <laughs> week. So next, we're going to go to a little uh, utility mall. It, it, it's a known place. It's only appeared in a few episodes. Mainly... A, uh, the shop where Bart attempts to steal Bone Storm, but it's caught. And then the family decides to go back there for a picture. After se- the security guard says, if you ever come back here again, you'll be arrested. In total, you see it four times over all 32 seasons. Ooh. This is the hardest Ooh. stop on the tour. I mean, if Thorpe don't get this, none of us are going to get it. No, I can picture yeah, it. Yeah, the I annoying thing is, I is. know exactly what episode you're talking about and what happened. That is the try and ah. save. Ah. So at this point, there's two quests, there's two stops left on our tour, and if any, basically anybody gets two of them correct, Ben Thorpe hasn't won. <laughs> so this is one of the more well-known stops on our tour. It's your local bar. Thorpe, Moody. Ben Thorpe was definitely there first. Most having. Most having is right, which means Ben Thorpe is our <laughs> winner again. But before, I tra- before you all go on your way, we'll go to our last stop on the tour. It's the home of Abe Simpson. Thorpe. The number one. Yep. Oh, folks, though. I mean, that's not... No, that's not it. No. The name. Um, it's it. a number one stop to play bingo or watch an episode of Matlock. At one point, Homer moves in, pretending to be a resident and get us an artificial lung to breathe for him. <laughs> What's his name? Oh, fuck. I don't know this one. You've stumped us all with that one. What's the name of the old folks home? It is the Springfield Retirement Castle. Ah. 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 <laughs> so, Ben Thorpe is our winner again. The it's undisputed right, so, Ben, we've had wrestling in The Simpsons, your two knowledge bases. Uh, what do you pick for next week? Um, Pokemon. Pokemon. Okay, that can work. Yeah. Got this. The original, I got this. The, ori- the original 151. I mean, anything after that doesn't really exist. <laughs> so whoa, 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 whoa. Thank you, for, thank you for joining me on this week's Walking Tour of Springfield. I'll hand you Woo. back over to Jay.
mean, that was a great quiz. That was sick. Fucking I love, love that. that. Like, make that. You need to make that around on your actual quizzes. Like, do a walking yeah. tour of somewhere. That thought, that yeah. was awesome. I thought that was yeah, quite creative. Really, really like that. Yeah, that was really good. And so, someone at the bars rung the bell. Some knobhead's gone up to the bar and asked for three pints of Guinness. It's time for last orders, where we give final shout-outs to anything or anyone that we would like to. And I would like to kick off with something that I've been working on with some really, really talented people called Open Kitchens. So this is not a sponsor read. This is just me talking about some work that I've done. And essentially what this is, is we want to raise enough money to reopen restaurant kitchens so that they can cook thousands of meals that get delivered for free to the elderly, the vulnerable, and our brave NHS staff. And if there's one thing that's come out of this virus that I'm not going to name, it's that it's made us all realize just how important that community spirit is. And that lives on in this website. So if you can donate anything, if you can, if you know a restaurant who would want to volunteer, if you would like to deliver some of these meals yourself, then do go on to openkitchens.co.uk and find out more on there. I've just got a, a little one that I've read recently, which I think a, a lot of sports have done this and a lot of football clubs have done this, but this is actually a substantial amount. Um, that the Barcelona team are cutting their wages by 70% to pay the non-sporting staff 100%. So that goes for everyone who works in the office, everyone who works in the shops and things like that. And the players have taken such a big cut and they got asked to do it and they went and they said yes straight away. They pretty much, they volunteered that salary for them, which is incredible. A lot of football clubs have done things like that, but I haven't seen the cut as big as 70%. That's really good, that is. Especially that's like messy. Yeah. You know, messy salary. Like, I don't, Median Derby, you're better off telling me what money he's on at the moment. £375,000 uh, 300, but... a week. Yeah. So 70% of that is going to the other club staff. So I've not really got any good causes that I want to shout out for this week. Um, but yeah, just thanks to everyone for tuning in and listening. Get in touch with your virtual festival ideas. That will be at Unlikely Dan on Twitter. Feel free to tweet me uh, and I'll put them on the playlist that will release when next week's episode drops. Uh, other than that, support the causes the other two guys have mentioned. And we'll see you next week. Yeah, so I will now wrap up. So, yeah, thank you all for listening. Um, your feedback has definitely been heard. We are appearing on Apple Podcasts soon, so do not worry. I know at the moment we've just been on a couple of platforms, but this is just waiting for Anchor to roll out the podcast over everywhere else, and that should be happening imminently. So you'll be able to listen to us on your phone, wherever you are. And if you do so, please do go ahead and give us a follow give us a good good rating, like a nice five-star rating that will really help us appear in people's search results so that we can help build a nice little audience around here. And at this point in time, I'd like to thank you all for listening. If you have anything that you would like to suggest, if there are any playlist suggestions, obviously it's unlikely down on Twitter. If you have anything you would like to add to the show, you can get any of us. I'm Mr. Jason Ingle on basically any social network, so you can find me there. And with that... We have just about finished our pints. The bar staff's looking a bit pissed off at us because we've been over and they really want to close now. So we will see you all next week. Take care, guys. Bye. 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 Bye.